Hi, I'm Brad Blaylock. And I'm Brad McKeon, and welcome to The Brad Report. Warning, The Brad Report contains spoilers. If you don't yet know anything about Season 1 of The Umbrella Academy, I advise you to close the podcast, watch all 10 episodes, (laughs) and then come back and listen to this podcast episode. But if you have... We're glad you're here, and we're really excited to be talking about Season 1 of The Umbrella Academy on Netflix. The Brad Report can be found on Apple, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Anchor, and Spotify. Please rate and review us five stars only. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Funny enough, our last Instagram post got 40 likes. <laughs> Pretty good for an Instagram that's only like two weeks old. Oh, gosh. Um, Twitter, we could use a little bit more help. Hey, that's not my fault. That is not your fault. I don't blame you at all. <laughs> uh, so the last time on The Broad Report, we discussed Star Wars TV shows and video games. And as we already said, this week we'll be belly flopping into season one of the hit Netflix show, The Umbrella Academy. And taking us away with the general overview and summary will be Brad. On the 12th hour of the first day of October, 1989, 43 women around the world gave birth. This was unusual, only in the fact that none of these women had been pregnant when the day first began. Sir Reginald Hargreaves, eccentric billionaire and adventurer, resolved to locate and adopt as many, many of the children as possible. He got seven of them. These seven children, Luther, Diego, Allison, Klaus, the boy, Ben, and Vanya, formed a super team of children with special abilities. As they grew older, the team slowly fell apart, starting with the departure of number five, as he accidentally transports himself into the future and is stuck there. Over time, the team further falls apart, leaving only Luther as the last member of the Umbrella Academy still with Reginald Hargreaves. Mysteriously, while Luther is on the moon and everyone is spread out, Reginald Hargreaves dies. All the children come back for his funeral, only to find that five comes back from the future. But he comes back with a prophecy. The world is ending in eight days. The world ends in eight days. Five, now being chased by two hilarious and very charming assassins from the temporal agency? Sure. The company. Company? Being chased from the company. The commission? (laughs) Yeah. Seeks to get his brothers and sisters to help him save the world. To only find out in the end, the apocalypse was started by none other than number seven, their sister. Bum, bum, bum. Unable to save the world from Vanya, also known as the White Violin, number five teleports him and all of his siblings into the past to try and rectify their mistakes then. That is Umbrella Academy Season 1. Pretty good stuff. Pretty good stuff. So, Sir Reginald Hardgreaves, actually, he doesn't give any of the kids names. Right, just He just gives them... (laughs) Number one, number two, Two, number three, four, five, six, and seven. And uh, what many people don't know is that the Umbrella Academy was originally a comic book graphic novel. Written by the lead singer of My Chemical Romance. Exactly. Remember Black Parade? Like that guy. Uh, Which is really cool. And so in the comic, they play a little bit more into the superhero aspect, and they all have code names. And uh, Sir Reginald is known as the Monocle Luther, number one, I'm going to be going in the order. Just Luther's number one. He was known as Space Boy. His superpower was strength and durability. Um, then you got Diego, the Kraken, Allison, the Rumor, Klaus, Seance. And number five is just known as the Boy. Then Ben is known as the Horror, which is kind of a cool name when you think it is about a cool him. Name. Then Vanya as the White Violin. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, so that that gets us kind of into the world of Umbrella Academy. Brad, what are some some themes in this first season that you know, or that you notice when you're watching? 
I think, I mean, there are a lot of themes that obviously we're going to get into, but I think one of the most important themes with time travel stories is how much your choices matter. And one of the things that, of course, we have the good guys, the bad guys, the good guys are the siblings and their family, and the bad guys are the commission and this character named Leonard and Hazel and Cha-Cha, the assassins. But I think more often than not, the siblings are getting in their own way with the choices that they make and how they're treating each other. If they, if they had a harmonious childhood and upbringing, <laughs> <laughs> they probably would not have been having these issues in order to, to band together and, and save the world. But just as the choices that were made that impact them, their choices then are impacting each other and bringing about this Armageddon that the world ending in eight days, as five says to them again, and again, and no matter what they do, they just seem to kind of continue and make it worse almost just because yeah. of the choices that they cannot help, but make because of who they are as their characters. Oh, that was an interesting way to phrase that the choices they cannot help to make because they are their characters. Yeah. So it's just, yeah. I think one of the ways, and I will we'll be getting into this. So you're, you're kind of saying they are who they are, and that's that's it. That's why. That's They are who they are, and so are you, are they're you, super dysfunctional. I'm not a fatist. No, but are you, so are you like more nature over, over nurture then? In no, a lot of ways? I mean, because like, here's the thing, like, if they had a loving, caring father. <laughs> of course. That yeah. let them play for more than 30 minutes on a Saturday, as they say <laughs> in one of the sh episodes then would they be able to get along better probably and have like actually you can see that they love each other in the show yeah for but sure. they also carry so much There's baggage, baggage and baggage, dysfunction yeah. and they're emotionally stunted and they don't know how to interact with each other in productive ways and it just That's kind true. of it just kind of compounds on itself definitely no healthy conflict resolution yeah no healthy conflict resolution when you have a a funeral side brawl yeah. with the two brothers. And I think that because the characters kind of, as they, they're numbered one, two, three, four, like Luther acts like the oldest brother, even though right. they're all born on the same day. Well, I mean, he acts like that, but wasn't he given the, like, he's number one because he was set to be the leader by uh, Reginald. Yeah, I think so. And, but then like you get number two, Diego, who is, the like number two brothers who's saying, you know, you can't tell me what to do. You're not the boss of me anymore. I'm not going to follow and you're not going to make me do. Yeah, you have older brothers, right? Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. So shout out to my older brothers, Jed and Nate, if you're listening. No one wants to be number two. I love two. you. Yeah. No, I get, yeah, no, that's fair. I, and that's funny. So you mentioned, so I guess you could sum up your, the theme you notice is like choices matter. And yeah, they have choices matter. Absolutely, they have consequences. And it kind of relates a lot to the, one of the things I noticed, and that's just a family strife and the kind of the consequences of a failed father. Right? So Reginald sucks. Sucks big time. That dude sucks. <laughs> sucks I big mean, time. oh my goodness. So he was horrible to these kids. Horrible. He stripped them of any sense of like, like, like really, like any sense of personhood, he made them like little toy, like little ch child soldiers. He, well, I mean, we'll talk about this later. But the, what he did to Klaus, when oh, he was yeah. a child. I mean, what he did to Vanya, it's horrible. It's Awful. all terrible. Yeah, and in a lot of ways, this entire show is about kids trying to come to grips or dealing with the lack of love they got from their father, and you can see that. They all handle it in very different ways, but you can kind of see like the big like mistakes, the big um, like issues that face each of these kids. It comes from that lack of love, and you can really see that in all of these characters, which I think is pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really a really good point in that the lack of love that they have is like it stays with them because they were kids. Like it traumatizes them. Yeah. And at the funeral and the end of the first episode, um, 
their chimpanzee butler sank a few Pogo. words at Pogo about mm. how some like, oh, he was a good master and all this stuff. And um, Diego just says he was an a-hole. Yeah. <laughs> and then there, I think, I don't know who, maybe Allison says Diego. And he says, my name is number two. I was only called Diego by, because of their Android mother gave me that name. And just thinking of what would it be like if your parents were to just, you're just number one. Yeah. You're just number two. And the only reason that he really cared about them was to serve this function as a superhero team for to further his own goals, not really care and love them, for sure. which is a travesty because every person needs to be loved. Every person craves love and wants to be encouraged and edified that, you know, there's someone that like I can fall back on and is going to love me no matter what, like whether my success or failures. And he just doesn't give that. He doesn't provide that in any way, shape or form. And another sad thing is like, they try to do that for each other, but they don't know how to do that. They grew up, they were kids. They didn't know how to interact with one another in that way. So that's, yeah, I think the family dysfunction is obviously a theme throughout. Um, so yeah, getting into more of starting at the beginning of the season, hot takes because we're going to be doing a comparison of your favorite and least favorite characters from the beginning of the season and at the end of the season. So who's your favorite character after episode one? Okay. Let me, let me, let me say this. So, okay. I know that the, the outline that you wrote says favorite character from the beginning of the season. And yeah. then later we do from the end, but I, I don't know if it's just the way my brain works okay, or, or what it's consistent. Well, I couldn't think of, I don't know. I just, for whatever reason, like I just kept coming to the same people for mm -hmm. favorite and for least favorite. That's fine. And so I just wrote favorite and yeah. So I don't really have the end of the season difference, but I think we're going to have similar characters for them. Okay. So my favorite character of this show is Klaus. Okay. He, I think he just kind of steals the show. He steals the season. The and let, as we said earlier, the entire this entire show is about how a group of kids come to terms with their their daddy issues, right? How their father failed them, didn't show them love or affection, and the way that that manifests itself in Klaus is just particularly like heart wrenching, mm. and like it really tugs at you. Yeah, and I mean like the drugs, the alcohol, the like in and out of rehab. I mean, when he finds out that his father's dead, he's in the back of an ambulance getting defibrillated. Defibu defibrillated. He's getting his heart started. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's, getting, he's getting restarted for sure. I mean, man. And you do get, as the story goes on, his character does grow a lot, right? So mm -hmm. in the beginning, he's just kind of selfish. Or at least he seems selfish. Obviously, we know that he's dealing with some stuff, but... I mean, he's he's despite how how big of a jerk Reginald is. I mean, he's looting his dead dad's office. Yeah, for drug money. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Not the greatest thing in the world. But so he he slowly grows, and you can see him, um, especially with the stuff of Dan when he finally begins to care for somebody else other than himself, more than himself. That was a big point of growth for him. Learning what he went through as a child when his father... So Klaus, his characters, or his, his abilities, are that he can see the dead. He can see and talk to dead people. And also can manifest them to interact with the physical world. But the main power that we see in the show is that he can see and talk to the dead. I mean, and his dad took him to graveyards. Mm -hmm. And locked him in crypts overnight until he was not scared of the dead anymore. Whew. Pretty jacked up, yeah. But more than that, though, he's funny. He is hilarious. He's I mean, one of the funniest characters. The lines that I laughed at the most yeah. at are the lines that he says. So the, at the funeral, when um, Luther and Diego be begin to fight, he, best funeral ever. <laughs> And I love the way he dresses. It, it's not something like I would never dress like him. Yeah. But I would love to be friends with somebody who dressed like him. <laughs> yeah. He's a fun character for sure. Um, so my 
favorite character at the beginning of the show. I think the way I laid it out was because I had a very distinct, um, I remember my feelings towards all of the characters shifting throughout the show. So that's why I did the outline that way. So I remember the favorite, my favorite character at the beginning just was being Luther. Really? And I was like, Oh, this is the prototypical hero. He's going to be the main character, the leader. It's going to keep everyone centered on track because it's a TV show and their dad dies. And even though he's the only one that suspects like that something happened, you know, that something is mischievous because otherwise why would we have a show right um and so he kind of gives off this steve rogers vibe and like he wants to be the leader he wants to be the hero he wants to go on missions and that's how he sees himself and so i was like okay you know i think i can get behind this guy and my least favorite character at the beginning was klaus obviously that's changed yeah but i just like he didn't seem he's just kind of like the man like he's just he's annoying. He doesn't really care. He's just kind of in and out and didn't really like grab my attention until I think maybe the third episode where you're starting to see the character. And at the end of, I'm pretty sure it's at the end of the uh, first or second, first episode where you see him talking to their dead to brother ben? ben yeah and that's when you're like whoa there's gonna be more to this guy but first impression in the first day at the funeral i was just like man i just i just couldn't connect with him i do love when he when he comes downstairs and he's wearing allison's skirt yeah that's, that's super fun that's awesome that's super super and he funny. rocked it yeah he did he looked great yeah so i mean so that just leads into like my, my favorite character over the entirety of the show is definitely klaus and um, I mean, I don't know how much more I can build on what you've already said so well, is that at the beginning, he's unreliable. Uh, nobody really cares about him or takes him seriously. And even at the end of the show, when they're going into the final battle, Luther, Diego, and Five are like, hey, go be lookout. Right. Like, we don't need you. And he's like, no, 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 I want to help. And he's finally getting sober because uh, we throughout the show, we see that like when he's not sober, it deadens his powers. Right. And so when he like at the end, he's which like, also just makes everything make more sense, more sense right? for his character. He's like, he's getting high he's drugs, pills, all of it. I so mean, that he doesn't have to deal. If you saw dead people everywhere you went, I mean, I'd certainly be tempted to go the route of yeah. Klaus. If that, if that like dead in those senses. Oh, exactly. And yeah. I, so I just think you see how much, he goes through how much he matures and grows through his circumstances and he changes yeah. and really worms his way into your heart and you really care about him a lot. He's, he does say a lot of funny things. Um, some of his favorite quotes are, are mine. And um, so, yeah, and I think that's definitely like, he's my favorite character overall for the show. Do you have, Oh, what were you going to say? No, go ahead. Do you have a least favorite character arc? Like you're saying like they didn't really like throughout the story is like, I just didn't really care. Okay. So least favorite character and least favorite character arc both go to Luther for me. Okay. So, I mean, he just gets progressively worse. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like what you talked about at the beginning. Like you can see that he wants to be the leader. And there's a part of you that wonders, like, why this dude isn't just stepping up? Like, why isn't he taking on this mantle more? Yeah. And then by the end, you're like, thank God he wasn't leading them the whole time. Because you just make horrible decisions. Horrible decisions. I mean, ugh. I mean, I didn't even, I didn't love him in the beginning, necessarily. I didn't hate him. Yeah. But he just gets worse and worse. And I feel like, in a lot of ways, like, all the characters have kind of, like, a trajectory that they're on. And that all culminates into something. And, and to me, like Luther just kind of stumbles around. Like he does some good stuff. He does some bad stuff. There's no real, like, yes, he makes the big decision at the end to trap Banya, but it doesn't feel like any, there's no like resolution for his character at all. Like even like Allison, like, like she got her throat slashed. And in a lot of ways she came out of that, like as a better sibling, as yeah. a more loving person, like so. There, even though like for Allison, like it wasn't a great thing 
the time, but there's like resolution for her character story yeah. in that season. And she's advocating for Vanya consistently. And she grew. Yeah, and becoming a better sibling, a better sister. And nothing happened with Luther. Yeah. Uh, but I will say, so my favorite character arc is a little, is different than my favorite character. Okay. My favorite character arc, because I think this is the, I think this is one of the most well-written ones, was Vanya. Yeah. Yeah. She is completely different, like 180 turn yeah. from the beginning of the show to the end of the show. I I love the idea of like the accidental villain or and maybe not even accidental, just like they like, made their own worst villain. Yeah. Like I, I, the best villains are the ones who you're like, okay, I know you're the bad guy. I know that what you're doing is wrong, but I kind of see where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily blame you for feeling that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just because I think that um, one of the things that she says is like, like she was raised under the premise that like, you don't have any powers. Yeah. You're there's, not special. There's nothing special. Not about only you. do you like, do you not have any powers? Just, Hey, there's nothing extraordinary about you at all. Yeah. And now I didn't have superpowers. You're, you're just average and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't play with their siblings. Couldn't train with them. Couldn't hang out with them. And then her siblings treat her in the same kind of disregard. Yeah. That, that, Hargraves, that Hargreaves does. Yeah. And that's really heartbreaking to see one, like when she's her younger, the younger self, when she's like a kid and then like a preteen go through that. It's really, really heartbreaking to think that like watching some kid go through that and just yeah. say having this person that's supposed to be their loving, caring father saying, there's nothing special about you. Yeah, that's it's brutal. It's brutal. And then she she writes this book, right? So she grows up. She writes this book about her family, about telling all the secrets and what it was like growing up as the. Uh, what was? Do you remember the title of the book? It was like the That's ordinary, extraordinary, extraordinary. That's right. Yeah. And and then like her family kind of proves her right at the end when Luther locks her up. Yeah. And it kind of proves what she's been saying or these feelings that she has or that she's been having. It proves them right. It confirms them. And you're just like, oh gosh, what are you guys doing? Like, yeah. She's not trying to be evil. Yeah. She's, and, you know, obviously, blowing up the moon, destroying the world. You're the bad guy. You are. You are the bad guy. Right. She became the bad guy. <laughs> you're, you're not the good guy. You're, you're not the good guy. If, if you're, you're causing just, the apocalypse. If you're killing everyone on Earth, you are not the good guy. But do I do I see where she's coming from? Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the, the characters, um, yeah, Vanya's great. Uh, her character are kind of almost like a, a Walter White seeing this average person just become this menacing villain. Yeah. Uh, real quick before we go on to the next uh, topic, my least favorite character arc was Diego. Really? Yeah. So I just thought like every opportunity he got to be mean and harsh to Vanya, he took it. And we see that he... They suspect at one point that their android mother killed their dad. So, and they're having the discussion, should we turn her off? Should we, what should we do? And then Diego just, as kind of a mercy, he goes ahead and does it. Um, he watches his ex-girlfriend die. And then when you get to like, a, even like the whole show takes a course over eight days. And that's all still pretty fresh. And then you get to the end and it seems he's pretty unfazed by it all. And his character didn't really move forward or change a whole lot. I I feel like it kind of did though with, it doesn't manifest itself with Vanya necessarily, but in the scene with Klaus and the bar, mm -hmm. when he steps up to defend his brother and then in the end he has, and they're sitting in the car and Klaus is telling him about Dan and they have a real like intimate moment where Diego's not a jerk. He's not condescending. He's kind of warm. And I feel like that was a little bit of growth. Maybe not a as much. A little bit. Not as much as I would have liked. <laughs> I mean, 
He beat up a bunch of veterans for him. He did beat up a bunch of veterans for Klaus. <laughs> what a good brother would do. <laughs> <laughs> Was that not enough, though? Uh, for not for me. <laughs> <laughs> not for me. Uh, yeah, I just, I just I had trouble connecting with Diego. But, I mean, I think there are a lot of other things that about his character that you can relate to and see just like, he wants to do the right thing. He wants yeah. to get out from under Hargreaves. He's like, hey, I'm doing this on my own. And he kind of resents Luther for not, for always being under daddy's protection and always like never having to work or do anything like that. Um, so I think their dynamic is really good. But um, yeah, so I think Diego was my least favorite character. Not least favorite character. He's the one whose story arc I yeah. appreciate the most. So what were some of your favorite sibling interactions? What what pairing were of like whichever sibling did you enjoy seeing and interact the most? So I really love seeing Klaus and Five together. Yeah. So the and I won't talk about it super long, but the scene where Klaus pretends to be Five's dad in order to get more info on the that was so funny. It's he so funny. Punches Five in the face and he smashes the snow globe on his eye and. Five is just so much smarter than Klaus. But Klaus clearly doesn't fully get the whole like, oh, this is a 63-year-old in a 13-year-old's body. Like, he thinks of Five as a little boy. Yeah. But Five is so much smarter than Klaus that it makes for like a super funny interaction. So that's one. Another one, this is cheating because they're not siblings. Okay. Hazel and Cha-Cha. They're super fun I to watch. loved every minute they were on screen together. Just, just so fun. Yeah, when they yeah. get high and like burn the <laughs> high building, that one's really fun. The oh music is really gosh. good. The soundtrack's great. I love it. Yeah, the soundtrack is really good. And their ridiculous masks that they wear when they go to the mall to shoot a five, or when they go to the Umbrella Academy Manor to fight the children. I mean, love them. And it's not a sibling interaction, so maybe that's cheating. But they bicker like siblings. Those characters were great. Yeah. Or what about you? So real quick before we move on, just one of the things that I think you said about five being a 54 year old trapped in a 13 year old's body is that Luther thinks he's the leader. Yeah. But five knows that he is the leader. Yeah. Five knows what? that he's the one that knows what's going on. He understands everything. He has a plan. Yeah. Unlike Luther, who is still stuck on the freaking moon. Yeah. Like mentally, he never leaves that moon. Yeah. He's just thinking he has so much importance held on his on Gosh. the dad and his mission, which really gets into my favorite sibling interaction is between Klaus and Luther. Oh, okay. And the scene where, where Luther finds out that his dad basically sent him on the, on the moon because he didn't have anything else to do. With oh, him. and he runs off and gets high. And, yeah. And yeah. so, and like, well, he first, he's getting drunk. Klaus, Oh, yeah, yeah. Klaus is in the bar. Klaus comes down and talks to him. And Luther just, he's like, hey, I just want to be like you. I don't want to feel anymore. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to care about stuff. And Klaus immediately says like, no, no, no. You don't want to be like me. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, and he goes in. And then when Luther's in the club dancing and <laughs> Ben is like, hey, there's something that, like, if you were in trouble, there's nothing that Luther wouldn't do to try and help you. Right. And so then Klaus has this very selfless moment of going to try, because Klaus is not a fighter. No. He's, <laughs> it's very evident early on that he's not a fighter. He's not the brains, but he just, he loves his brother and he's going to go and protect him. But one of the things that, like, Luther was such a firm believer in Hargreaves, their dad, and the mission, and that he's there to save the world. Um, but like he ends up being broken because he finds out that this mission and this person that he believed his dad to be was all a lie. Yeah. He didn't really care about Luther any more than the rest of them. I mean, he, he sent worked. him to the moon for no reason. Sent him to the moon for no reason, just to keep him busy. Yeah. And then Klaus tells him like, you don't want to be like me. And how I think that's really cool of a interaction that I think most people experiencing is man. 
when we're going through something hard, I wish I could be like them. Yeah. I wish I could be like someone else with more money or more like didn't care as much or would just like, and it's just a fundamental breakdown. And that person who is that way says like, you don't understand. I think we've all, I think we've probably both experienced what Klaus was feeling too. Maybe not to the, in the same way, but just like, you know, like we both work, work with kids. And yeah. so we've probably both experienced that. Like, you know, you know, a kid looks up to you and you're like, dude, like, I'm not it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not it. Like, like this is like it's like oh you want it's like oh I can't wait till I get out of college and I'm working and yeah. you're like bro like slow down right. like like I'm not the goal here. I'm you not. Need yeah, to shoot, you, you need to shoot, shoot way higher, <laughs> way higher. Yeah, way higher. And I just thought that was a really cool human interaction mm -hmm. and really focused on like that these people are people. I also love the way it looked that whole scene. Especially when the, I thought it was a really cool shot when the pill had fallen across the floor and Klaus is it crawling zoomed in after on it and then it. I zoomed out to Klaus. That looked great. That yeah, was really cool. It was really cool. So that's one of the ones that really stands out to me and just kind of highlights Klaus and his growth and development yeah. as well. So, what were some of your favorite scenes and quotes? All right, I'll run through these real quick. So my two favorite scenes, without a doubt. Number one is the dancing scene. Yes, I have that as my number oh one. Oh my also. gosh, the it's first so episode. Good. Yeah, it's right. It's after the funeral debacle. It's after five leaves. Everyone's feeling dejected. Everyone's feeling uh, like down and out. Everyone's a little confused. And Luther, in one of the few redeeming moments of Luther, he plays the song "I Think We're Alone Now." Um, I don't remember who that's by, but he yeah. plays that song uh, throughout the house. All the siblings are scattered in their separate rooms, and I, they dance like no one's watching, and they yeah. all just broke it down in a weird way. But they, you, you almost knew that they knew, like you knew that they knew that each sibling was doing the same thing. Yeah, it was a really cool moment of like sibling love without being together. Um. And I love the idea of like unity through like individuality and then being together, but also I think we're alone now, you know, as the song says. Yeah, I thought that was really cool too. And it was really the first moment because they're all adopted. Yeah. None of them look alike. They don't look like brothers and sisters. Yet there's that those things that you have as siblings that when something happens and you all have a similar reaction, you all know that you all know. And it, it's almost it shows like an inside joke, inside joke that your family. And they, I was like, when I saw that, I thought of my siblings and how we would, if there was a certain song playing that we'd grown up with, we would all start dancing. And yeah, that was a really cool scene. Yeah, that was great. And real quick, who do you think was the best dancer? Just off the top of your head. Who do you think was the best dancer? So I think it's it has to be either Allison or Diego. I Allison. I think it's I think it's Diego. Diego, yeah. Yeah. Diego he was broke pop locking it. He yeah, broke it down. Yeah, he was doing a great job. All right. So that's one of my favorite scenes. Another favorite scene of mine, I mentioned it before, is the bar scene with Klaus and Diego. Um, Klaus teleports back in time to the Vietnam War. He spends an entire year there. He falls in love. It's the first time he says this himself. It's the first time he's ever loved anyone more than himself. He goes to a veterans bar, which he is a veteran. He survived Vietnam. And he finds this picture of Dan, who was his lover, who he loved more than himself. And he's depressed. He's sad. He's grieving. And these veterans that are in this bar don't think he's a veteran. So they try to kick him out. And... <laughs> Klaus punches punches the guy. I and mean, he just looks like a goober when he swings. Yeah. But uh and Diego defends him. It's great. But it's like the first time you see Klaus kind of like show feelings for somebody other than himself. And it's the first time really you see Diego kind of stand up for for one of his siblings. And so I, I love that scene. Uh and then I have a, I have three, four favorite quotes or three favorite quotes, and I'll just run through them real quickly. So the first one is by Vanya, and it says, If you're raised to believe nothing about you is special, if the ben benchmark is extraordinary, what do you do if you're not? Mm. 
Second quote is by The Handler. Okay. War. Such a fascinating concept. A temporary salve for a permanent human flaw. Dang. Last one is Klaus. We mentioned best funeral ever. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, those are all great. So my second favorite scene would have to be when they're all kind of regrouping after they flee the house after Vanya destroys the mansion. They're in the bowling alley. They're oh, all like yeah. these 30-year-olds that are just hanging out. They're really just like trying to lay low, find a place to hide and strategizing. And they're, they're coming up with the plan. They're jabbing at each other. And I just saw that and I was thinking, man, that's how siblings interact. That's how my, I interact with yeah. my siblings where we're thinking, we're talking, we're jabbing at each other. Um, and then there's the point where someone comes up and says, hey, you know, if you're going to hang around here, you have to bowl. And then whose turn <laughs> is it? And Luther just like chucks a bowling ball across like five lanes. Uh, I thought that was really funny. And then, of course, the bad guys storm the place. Yeah, for sure. And then there's this scene where they start blowing up the place and like who are these guys and klaus says maybe they're here for freddie's birthday party (laughs) (laughs) it's just super funny and well-timed and uh that quote is just like out of context you're like what that's not funny but in that scene it's hilarious uh another some of my three quotes and i'll run through them real quick when five first shows up and he's in the kitchen eating and he's explaining yeah i was 50 yeah. years into the future, I'm, I'm this old now, I'm 54, trapped in my 13-year-old body. And then Diego says, that makes no sense. And Five says, well, it would if you were smarter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then another one that Five says, he says, we didn't choose this life. We're just living right. it. Right, yeah. Really cool. I think that just applies to everybody. It says, you know, they didn't choose to be adopted. They didn't choose this. Right, and yeah, for you sure. You can't choose your family. It's like, hey, we didn't choose this Like. We're living it. And then Klaus, after the funeral, when Luther's like, I think somebody like killed dad and they're trying to get Klaus to go talk to him and like, hey, summon him so we can figure out the truth. And Klaus just says, I can't just call dad in the afterlife and be like, dad, could you stop playing tennis with Hitler for a moment and take a quick call? The tennis with Hitler. It's just so great. And also shows like how much how he felt about him, how he felt about him, how much they despised him. Uh, yeah, that was really funny. Um, okay, so I think you already went through this, like your favorite and least favorite character at the end of the season. Yeah. So you, my favorite character at the end of the season is Klaus. My least favorite is also Luther. Right. Same with the reasons, like, he becomes the villain. Yeah, I he mean. He becomes, a, like, the reason why Vanya makes that final turn. Right. And to. He pushed her. He pushed her into yeah. the apocalypse. Yeah, that's all I'll say there. Now, this is a really fun topic. What about the visual aesthetic of the show? So, I this show reminded me of a gothic setting, a like very like gothic uh, aesthetic, and I don't mean like emo, like modern. I mean like classical literature gothic, like Edgar Allan Poe, Charlotte Bronte, uh, Mary Shelley, like that type of gothic. So. I and mean, there's just so much there. You have several brooding characters, right? So it's kind of a typical trope in Gothic literature. Like even the hero is like a brooding kind of like, uh, like Batman, like but a less. bad good guy, you know, yeah. type of deal. The, several of them brooding. I mean, you can think Klaus, Diego, five, five to an extent, uh, very brooding. The it's very gloomy. They do a good job. <clears throat> Hint, hint, DCEU. They do a great job of making things dark without, with, with using other. Without desaturizing the color. Right, yes. <laughs> like the, all the shots are, most of the shots are pretty dark and gloomy. Um, it's kind of got that Wuthering Heights feel to it. Yeah. The, the Umbrella cloudy. Academy Mansion yeah. does. And another thing that was cool, it, it kind of has like that, like mystic, like prophetic. Uh, prophecy to it. Five comes back, and it's not like a prophecy in true because he he witnessed it. But five comes back, and the first thing he does is he like, he bears prophecy. Yeah, which is like a classic, like romantic gothic literature trope. 
Five comes in, and the, the story begins essentially with somebody revealing this prophecy of things to come. And the entire aesthetic really just kind of hinted on that. Like, I felt like it felt like, uh, I'm not going to call the lead singer of My Chemical Romance Edgar Allan Poe, but this felt like Edgar Allan Poe liked. <laughs> yeah. Or like a, like a pseudo, pseudo Poe wrote this in a way. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really dug it. What about you? What did you think? Yeah, I really liked the, the aesthetic as well. Some of the things that I noticed is just that most of the cars were old fashioned and it was kind of, even though. Which is interesting. It's, it, I think it sets up this timeless vibe. Because yeah. as I was noticing is that there's not a single cell phone, even though it's in 2019. Not even like background not characters? Not even background characters have cell phones. So Interesting. And when Leonard is talking with Vanya, both of them have corded phones. Yeah. And then Vanya even has an old like 90s answering machine. Interesting. I didn't and notice that. I think they kind of like build up the the gothic vibe of like in a castle right all of the cars are old or like oh well you could be driving this now or 20 years ago for sure and that most of the characters like five is wearing a suit the assassins are wearing suits kind of like almost like 50s yeah. kind of suits and it's really just a timeless aesthetic which i really really appreciated because this and like when Allison calls Vanya, she calls from a payphone. Like, yeah. who calls people on payphones? That's phones? a good point. So I thought that was, I mean, I don't have as much to say about as, as I think the research that you've done. But I thought it was like the prophecy vibe of just like the herald comes. Mm. And then are the, the people that need to hear it, are they going to respond and accordingly? They're not, listening. They're not yeah. listening. Which is like kind of like the story of every great prophet. Yeah, uh, like even from like like biblical prophets and like outside of biblical, like uh, just like fantasy. Pro- like that's like the story of the prophet, right? They he comes, he delivers a message, or she delivers and they, a message. They know they bear they the weight know of it. It's true. Yeah, and no one listens, and no, and they bear the consequences of not listening. Yeah. And another visually aesthetic thing that I really thought was clever about this show. So Grace, right, the mom. Yeah. She is, she's an android, like humanoid robot figure, but you don't know that from the very beginning, or at least you're not told that from like the very beginning. You tell something's off. You can tell something's off. But one of the things that I, so I went and rewatched the season right before season two was coming out. And it's funny the things you notice when you know the plot twist is coming, right? Her clothes, the way she dresses and the way like her makeup is, it's all perfect. And like, I, what I mean by that is that like you look at her clothes, they're all perfectly like ironed and pleated. And a lot, I don't know if they starch the crap out of what she was wearing, but a lot of times when she walks, like even her skirts don't move, like the collar on her shirt doesn't really move. She looks like a Barbie doll. Yeah. Which she essentially is. <laughs> yeah. She's a Barbie doll that was like basically made to like take care of the kids like yeah be their maid nanny and kind of person i just and on my second watch through i noticed her more and because i knew that twist was coming and like, the way they made her look to fit that kind of doll um being was really cool yeah so what i think out at the end of season one what are some of the biggest questions that we need to to wrestle through is I think are all of the kids aliens because at the at season 10 is um, we get this scene that like Hargreaves is on this planet. Um, there are rockets going up. He releases these like light things into the air. Someone that he was married to or in love with was dying. And so are all of the kids aliens? I don't think so. I mean, I have no clue. I, I saw this on your um, on, on the outline, and I, I just have no freaking clue. Yeah. Um, but I will say I am dying to know what's going on. And this show holds its mysteries very close-fisted. Yeah. It's really cool. So I'm kind of like yes and no. Yes, that they were Hargreaves. Maybe he's an alien. Um, or he has some, like, I don't age very much thing going on for him 
Um, but yeah, I think it's kind of a mixture because they were born from women. But anyways, another thing, another question is like, what happened to all the kids that were not adopted into the Umbrella Academy? Do they have powers and have they done anything with them or will we see them in the future? So just for just for clarification, uh, you, I know, have seen all of season two. I have. I have only seen two episodes of season two so far. Okay. Because the wife and I are watching them together, and so we watch one episode at a time instead of binging. <laughs> Some say that's healthy. Deep breathing. Healthy for the marriage. Anyways, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I I don't know. Like, You would have to assume. So all seven of these kids had abilities. Yeah. So, I mean, I just find it highly unlikely that Reginald, hap- the only ones Reginald got happen to be the only ones with abilities. Mm-hmm. So in my head, there are what? 36? Yeah. 36, 36 other kids running around this world with superpowers. Yeah. So in my head, there are definitely other kids. Now, I know that the end of season one, they go back, these kids go back in time. So I don't know if the superpower kids exist in season two, but I think in season one, like, you would have to think there are these there are other super super powered kids running around somewhere. Yeah, absolutely, and I agree. And I just I think we will see them in the future. Um, but I just uh, you say that with a little grin. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to give anything away. Okay, so those are some like the big questions. What about some fun questions? Um, So let's get into some fun questions. If you had to choose one of the seven superpowers from one of the seven siblings in the shows in the show, what would you choose? So I chose <laughs> I chose Diego. Okay. Why did you choose Diego? Okay, I know you Well, explain his power okay. first, because some people may not know it. I know you well enough to know. That, that face I, you just made at me. That I disagree that, strongly? Well, that you just think it was a dumb answer. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, did you know... So, before you answer, in the comic... Oh, I did not know. Whatever you're about no, to no, say, no, no, I no, no. can No, the show, show rules apply. In the comic, his power is to hold his breath underwater indefinitely. Well, he doesn't have the throwing ability in the comic? He just throws knives. For funsies. But he's it's not like a power where he so can they changed in. they changed his power completely for the show. Interesting. Well, I'm sticking to the show. Yeah. Um now I'm interested in the comic. Like, how did they use the anyway? It, it doesn't matter. Um that's why his nickname in the in the comic is, is the Kraken. Kraken. So I was very confused when I when I found out what his nickname was, the Kraken. I was like, what Kraken? What like, that heck? doesn't make any sense. Anyway, so his his ability, which if you're listening to us and you're listening to us at this point in the episode and you don't know what Diego can do, I'm very shocked you're listening. But thank you. Uh, so Diego has the ability to throw objects. It Throw objects with supreme accuracy and the ability their to direction. curve their direction. He can hit anything. with, right? He can perfectly throw any object uh, from any distance, it seems like. I haven't seen a real limit yet. And he puts it wherever he wants it, despite there being obstacles in the way. All right. So here's the thing. I am a I am a school teacher. I teach middle school and high schoolers. And that would be really useful. So we haven't started school yet. Um, but today we we're doing we're, you know, today we we're doing prep. And I might have spent some time during prep work working on the my episode notes. Uh, <laughs> not important. I hope. I hope no one's listening. But anyway, so I was thinking about it and like, you know, when you're in middle school and when you throw something away, you shoot it. Yeah. Imagine never missing the trash can. That's pretty cool. You can be from a corner, the corner of the room. Just toss it Buckets. Kobe. Buckets. I'm going to assume that his powers also apply to basketball. Because technically you're throwing a ball at a hoop. That's true. I would be the best player in the NBA if I had DA's Very abilities. applicable. Very applicable. So maybe not like the most superhero uh, like choice, but 
I think I would be an MVP in the NBA if I had Diego. Absolutely. Abilities. Just post up outside of three and just shoot the ball. I mean, throw the ball straight up in the air and then it makes. You could shoot better than Steph Curry. Yeah. You could throw it over your head behind. It doesn't matter. It would Swish. go in. So maybe uh, that's you not went that. very practical. I went in the absolutely opposite direction. Did you choose Klaus? No. Okay. No, 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 no. Because that sounds kind of terrible. No, 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 no. Who did you choose? So one of my favorite X-Men growing up okay. was Nightcrawler. And he can So you chose Diego. Or five, sorry. Five, excuse yeah. Me, excuse, excuse so shout out to my my oldest brother Jed and uh, my other brother Nate who like made me the nerd that I am today. Um, but yeah, I remember loving Nightcrawler and just like being able to teleport and how cool that would yeah, be. It is so cool. I picked five. He can also teleport through space and time. I'm not sure if I'd want to mess around with the time part. Yeah. It seems difficult. It seems very, very dangerous. And then I remembered all the math that he was doing. And then I was kind of like, I was like, maybe I should pick Luther's super yeah. strength. The thing about Luther, like strength and durability. It's just boring. Yeah. You're just like, I'm just strong. Every other character in this this show. It's a really unique power. It's really cool and unique. Luther's just prototypical. Yeah. Which prototypical. is fine. Yeah, that's fine. But okay. Yeah. So, so you're teleporting. Five. I thought that'd be that'd be handy. I think, I mean, obviously we see. Five is teleporting in the same room. Yeah. We don't see the max on his distance. So I'd be kind of wanting to maybe stretch it, see how see how far you can go. See how far I could go. Yeah. All right. So let's say let's say you could choose any superpower in the world. Right. And you're becoming the eighth sibling. Right. What power are you choosing? So the thing that I chose <laughs> and I and also, uh, so I chose rapid healing. Really? So like Wolverine or Deadpool, like you cannot die. You're going to be invulnerable. Because I wanted to do like, because th then I, so I went, I think I went impractical for the first question. And then I went super practical for the second one. Here's the interesting thing. I chose the same thing. Really? Yeah. Look at us. Eh. Who'd have thought? Not me. <laughs> <laughs> Look at us. Look at us. Look at us. I just. So here's. Have you ever. Have you read Mistborn? The book series Mistborn? Yes. Well, have you the read. The Golds. Have you read like the second. Yeah. The second series like the Alloy of Law. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know the bad guy. And I can't remember his name. The Wax and Wayne series. Yeah, the Wax and Wayne series. But one of the bad guys in that series has. Super regenerative health. Miles Hundred Lives. Miles Hundred Lives. Yeah, and like, there's a part in the in the book where he gets shot in the head, and he recovers. And he recovers. And so I'm thinking, like, like for whatever reason, for the power I would choose of the children or of the the siblings, for whatever reason, I thought like in this world, but for this one, I thought in their world. Yeah. And I'm thinking, like, okay, Luther's super strong. Diego's sneaking around. Allison. Allison and Klaus have really cool abilities. They're kind of more support characters. They're very vulnerable. Yeah. On one hand, you can be kind of a human shield for them. On the other hand, if there's like an enemy that has like a particular like fortification or whatever, you can kind of go kamikaze on them and be totally fine. Mm -hmm. like you can just run into yeah. whatever and you're fine. Yeah. So, yeah, I actually chose the same power, which is okay. interesting. Did you come up with any code names for yourself? I didn't. Did uh, you? I know you definitely I ran through a few, each of them <laughs> as unlikely, and I'm like, these all sound so pretentious. Please tell me, did you, like, crowdsource this thing by? Like, did you ask, like, hey. No, 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 no. Okay, this was just it. me. This just, I was tempted to Google it, but I did not. <laughs> So, one, if I can regenerate the Phoenix, very applicable, but taken. <laughs> Two. It's not taken in this universe, is That's it? true. Zombie. I think that would be ah, a little, yeah. yeah. The undead, the miracle, or the immortal. Okay. I, I don't like the undead. Yeah. It sounds too close to I was kind of I was kind of spitballing, so no, it's no, not no, all no. going to be gold. It's fine. It's, it's fine. not all going to be gold. It's fine. <laughs> that one's just a little too close to Klaus. Yeah. Right? Um. Let's see. I like Phoenix. Mm -hmm. I like Phoenix. 
Although maybe it's just X-Men. I don't know. Yeah. Just, mm. So I think the Miracle or the Immortal are kind of where, like, oh. I like the Immortal. That's not bad. Yeah, that's not, that's bad. not bad. So last fun question. Which of the seven siblings would you want to oh, have geez. as one of your own brothers or sisters? I think there's a very clear right answer. There's a clear right answer? I think so. Uh, let me... So, let's see. We I got, don't want Vanya. So, we got Vanya. We got Ben. Can I choose Ben? He's dead, but can I choose him? Can I choose an alive Ben? Well, I think we he's the one we know the least about. Can I choose an alive Ben? Sure, that's fine. Well, okay, we, but here's the deal. With Klaus, he's funny. He is. He's responsible. He is. Very he responsible. cares about his brother. He wants what's best. So I'm going to choose Ben, but alive, okay. <laughs> not dead. So I picked Allison because she seemed the most sane and normal and the least likely to try and kill me. And like, towards but you might do all of her chores. I heard a rumor, Brad. Oh, okay. Whatever. If I'm mind controlled, I'm not even going to know that I'm not doing it. Anyways. Do they not know? What they're I, don't, doing? I don't know. I'm not sure. Anyways, Anyways yeah. at the end of season one, I think she's the one that's... She cares about Vanya. She cares about Vanya a ton more than her brother. She is against putting Vanya in that special yeah. vault or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. So that's why I made that pick. All right. Now we are going into the home stretch of our overall reflections and final report and grade. So what do you think the Umbrella Academy season one did right? Uh, so overall, I'll give season one an A. Um, I I loved this season. I thought it was fun. I thought that it was really visually pleasing. I love the aesthetic. I love the vibe that we had. I love the storyline. I love I love the villains, including Vanya and including the uh, the company or whatever they call them. The commission. The commission. Yeah. Um, I thought that was great. I, I hope that they get a little more in season two. And I'm, I've only watched two episodes, so I don't know anything yet. I hope they get a little more into the the mysteries that season one kind of asks. So season one, it, you know, it kind of begs the question, like, are there other people like them? Are there other children? Where do these children come from? I hope we kind of get into that a little bit in season two, maybe answer some of these world-building questions. But overall, I thought it was a great first season of television. So I'll give it an A. Yeah. I gave it an A as well. I thought, yeah, a lot of what you said looks great. Soundtrack is amazing. The sibling interaction is awesome. It's funny. They're, they really show characters that are broken and broken yeah, in a way that sure. is relatable. Yeah. Because a lot of like, I'm never going to be able to fully understand what it's like to be Batman. Like, I can't understand <laughs> what it's like to have parents like murdered in front of me. Like, that's dark. Yeah. And it's like, I'm glad that I can't understand that to a certain extent. Sure. But, like, oh, man, they're just, like, these siblings are interacting and they're, can, like, they're mean to each other. And yeah. then they have to apologize. And then, like, hey, we're still family. We got to work this out. Um, yeah. And I think there's, like, great twists and real stakes for the characters that you care about. Yeah. And I, not to, not to interrupt, but I, I really like that all of the characters kind of are dealing with the same issue, but it's just manifesting in wildly different ways. Um, so I thought that was very interesting. I thought that kind of, kind of humanizes them. And like, if you can't relate to Klaus and what he's going through and what he's struggling with, you can relate to Luther maybe. Yeah. If you can't relate to Luther, you might can relate to Diego or Allison, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Great. Yeah. I think so as well. I thought, yeah, they're they're all de they were all raised the same except for Luther was maybe the favorite. He was like far and away. But Vanya was definitely the least. Definitely the least. <laughs> and so like how they interact with that is definitely like the baggage that they're all carrying. And I think they'd be able to carry it together yeah. better, but they're so jaded towards one another and their upbringing as a whole that they're not even going to be willing to admit, hey, would you help me work through this? Mm. Which is really kind of sad as the characters and for those characters. But I think it's also like really real is that 
a lot of times we don't we need help and we won't ask for it but they kind of get it together except that they screwed up and then they're now going back in time to try and fix it but that is all that we have for the umbrella academy season one uh, thank you again for tuning in and next week we'll be covering season two All right, everybody, that's going to do it for another episode of The Brad Report. We hope that you dug what you heard. We hope that you will like, subscribe, give us a five-star rating, follow us on social media. And until next time, love you 3,000.